1: Welcome to another edition of Bring on the Live Cats. I'm your host, Luke Thompson. We're going to take a break from football this week, Kansas State on a bye week. So we brought in Eric Grubottom for a little basketball preview. How you doing, Eric?
0: I'm doing great. Glad to be back, much to the probably the chagrin of, of some of our <laughs> listeners out there, you know, uh, interrupting the football season. But uh, hey, you know, I'm not the only one interrupting football season right now, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. I think this will be more fun than talking about the 20 COVID cases that the football team announced this week. <laughs> so, and our guest this week is CJ Moore. You got A lot of you may remember him as a Lawrence Journal KU beat writer a long time ago. He's even written a book about KU basketball called Beyond the Streak, but we're willing to overlook all that. He's done a lot of great work as a national college basketball writer at various publications and now he's a staff writer at The Athletic, focused on the Big 12 in the Midwest. Uh, CJ, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. I mean,
1: that's, I feel like we kind of got to start with the, the COVID stuff. And, you know, you wrote a great preview on, on Kansas State back in September. And You kind of mentioned that you know, COVID-19, not being able to practice as much, not being able to have the scrimmages could affect Kansas State more than most because of how young and experienced they are. You know, what are what kind of, some mm-hmm. of the biggest concerns with that?
2: Well, I think everybody's biggest concern right now is just, are we going to ha- be able to pull this season off and have a season sure. talking to coaches and everybody around basketball, especially in the past week? I think everybody is kind of on edge and getting really worried. There are a lot of programs that aren't even, you know, able to practice right now. And I think the anxiety level is higher right now than it's probably ever been in terms of just, you know, what, how coaches and, and everybody in the sport's feeling right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think we've certainly learned from the college football season that postponed and canceled games are basically an inevitability, uh, you know, especially mm-hmm. COVID just seems to be getting worse throughout the country. But, you know, at least publicly, most coaches are saying, hey, we just have to prepare as if every game's going to happen. You know, is that kind of the approach that they're taking, or do you think they're telling their teams anything different behind the scenes?
2: I mean, I think they're just, yeah, they're probably telling their guys to expect anything and, you know, you're hopeful that you can have the games and, but you just, I think everybody has to be willing to realize things can change on the fly. And I think morale is probably something that's really important this year is trying to keep the spirits up of these guys. If they do have you know, end up having long breaks or they got to shut it down for a couple of weeks. So I think that's going to be a challenge. And especially, you know, with a really, really young team like K-State, like not only is that hard, but it's also hard when you're trying to build something and you're trying to put your stuff in and all that. I mean, it's, it's a challenge when you have such a young roster and you don't have like the typical summer and typical fall like we've had. Yeah.
1: And I kind of wonder too how much I mean I think K state football has reported 76 players have gotten covid and you know in a normal year all the athletes would be interacting a lot using a lot of the same facilities um presumably they they're trying to keep them away from each other now but I mean should that be somewhere we're worried about a little more
2: in terms of the the uh, athletes interacting with each other? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I think the teams are doing a pretty good job of being as safe as they can in terms of when they are in control of them, which is, you know, like, for instance, I heard from KU yesterday, they're like they're bringing them all their meals so they don't have to go out anywhere. And I think most schools are doing stuff like that to decrease the amount of time they're in public as much as possible. But at the same time, like these are college kids and you can't control every second of their day.
0: They're going to try to,
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> But you can't, you know. There's times where they might go out and see a buddy, or go out and, you know, go to a party, or or something like that. And you you encourage them not to, and you hope they don't. But those things are just going to happen, with you know. And it it your team might be good all year and following the protocols and doing everything you're supposed to do, but then you go and play somebody who maybe turns out has a somebody who's COVID positive, even though you know you might not even know it yet, because maybe they tested yesterday and they they just. You know but if they would have tested today they're positive and then then you're screwed so it's going to be a uh i mean i'm sure stuff like that is going to happen it's just who knows how it's going to play out but i just hope we get enough games to have some kind of semblance of a season right i
0: I hope we just get a chance to start on the day that we're planning that people are planning on starting i mean we're talking right (laughs) now about basically starting the week of thanksgiving and I know, uh, you know, it's certainly not at the, the collegiate level, but where I'm at right now, all of the elementary schools, all of the high schools are basically saying that the ones that, are in, that have been running hybrid education all, all semester, they're sending their kids home at Thanksgiving and not having them come back. So it's, yeah, I think the morale point was a very valid point. I think that these kids, if they don't get to start on time and it kind of keeps starting, it starts to get drug out and that sort of thing before they even get to play a game. That's going to start to get rough, and not not just for K State. I think it's going to start getting rough for everybody. Yeah,
1: yeah. And we've already definitely. seen an impact, kind of indirectly, for Kansas State. You know, they weren't scheduled to play the Cats, but South Dakota State pulled out of the tournament in Bramlage. Has there been a replacement name for them yet?
2: Not that I'm aware of. But okay. I'll be honest, I haven't been following that part of it too closely. Yeah, too. yeah.
1: Okay, okay. That's fair. So, yeah, given all that, I guess that's just something to, to keep in mind as we go on. I think you know we had to start with that, but now we'll kind of pretend like it's sort of normal and, and just talk about the, the basketball a little bit you know c j something you talked about in your article was case they wants to come out you know with a different mindset, maybe they weren't as focused as they should have been last year, you know this is not unfamiliar stuff if you followed college basketball for a while, you know a lot of how much stock do you take and that kind of coach speak I guess from the coaches and, and the players
2: yeah I, I don't think it was necessarily coach speak I think that, that there really was some of that last year I mean you know when you get sometimes an older team and or, or maybe it's a mix of, of older and, and young you know priorities are in different places and you know you've got guys who are looking out for themselves as, which isn't that unusual but I do think if you watched K-State last year, you definitely saw some chemistry stuff that was going on. And, you know, Cartier Jada is a guy that, you know, I enjoyed being around. I enjoyed interviewing him. And, um, you know, I think he's got some talent and I I hope he has a good final year at Va Tech. But I don't think things exactly went for him the way that they wanted him last year, that he wanted it to last year. And, and, um, you know, I think that, you don't want to put all of it on him, but there was definitely some stuff there. And then, you know, when you don't have success, it it gives, it kind of puts everybody in a mood, and things that should just be little things can bubble up. And I think, you know, without being there every day, I think some of that maybe stuff happened at, at K State last year. And so, you know, kind of like a few years ago when, you know, Barry Dean and Cam were coming in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the year before that, they had had Marcus yeah. Foster yeah. and. Obviously you didn't have the best chemistry and the season was more disappointing than you expected and they kinda had to clean house and start over a little bit and, and this is similar to that I think and they've got what seems to be a, a nice recruiting class that's gonna start here this you know, this freshman class and talking to Bruce, you know, about it throughout the last year, you know, coaches are always going to pump up their classes and stuff, but you can sense a genuine excitement from him. And, you know, I I think this class is better than he's used to getting. Like, it's not just coach speak. Like, he's genuinely, like, really, really excited about this group. Yeah,
0: I think the team that we've got coming in, there are definitely some resemblance going back to 15-16 with the team where Barry and Dean and Kamau were freshmen. Both teams had eight newcomers to the team. Um, which uh, is, you know, in a in a roster of, uh, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 folks. that that That's a pretty hefty roster <laughs> turnover.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: you know, I don't want to sound too skeptical, but the big difference between that team and the team that we're looking at here is that team had DJ Johnson and Justin Edwards and mm-hmm. Wes Awundu as, uh, you ah. know, as those junior and senior anchors for that team coming in. And this team has Mike McGurl. Um <laughs> It's it, it's not to talk bad about Mike McGirl. I actually think he's but uh, he, I actually think he's got the right on his memory. own. It, it, yeah, yeah, on his own. That's the thing. Yeah. You look at this overall roster and Mike McGirl's a senior and nobody else on that team has playing time that is older than a sophomore. Um mm-hmm. you know, it, so it's it, it's a different I'm excited to see what can happen because I actually, I think you also hit another great point. I, this There's a lot of talent coming in on this basketball team. You know, is it the five-star recruits that a KU or a Kentucky or a Duke is getting in, you know, for freshmen every year? Absolutely not. But there's a lot of pieces and parts that I think are going to, that can fit in well to, with each other. So it really comes down to that mindset thing and whether or not the bootstrap mindset that these guys need to have, whether or not that's talk right now or if it's actually manifested
2: yeah and I, you know i think it's all process and progress over results like yes you, you're not going to have an ncaa tournament caliber season most likely so you know it's not because the roster's bad or anything like that like you know you're in a league that is just going to be a juggernaut this year mm-hmm. so and since you know who knows how many non-conference games we're going to get in The record's not going to look very pretty. But, you know, if you go back to Dean and Cam and Barry's freshman year, like the record wasn't that great then either. But you could see something materializing, something coming together, potential in in, in that group, and it's really started to show itself the next year. So I think that is what's so key for K-State this year, is is you want to see something coming together, but you don't necessarily want to focus too much on, on what the record is.
0: Yeah. And going back to that 15, 16 season, again, with all those news guys coming in with a one do and DJ Johnson and Edwards all on that, you know, anchoring that team from a leadership perspective, they still went five and 13 in the conference. So, you know, yeah. I think that that point's actually very valid too, that, you know, as much as we were talking about last year as Bruce on the hot seat and this and that and the other, I was like things, if we're going off a record this year, things aren't going to look good guys. It's just not this year. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, you know, with the acknowledgement that that some of those guys from the 2015-2016 team outperformed the recruiting rankings, just based on a, on a recruiting ranking standpoint, is this recruiting class stronger than the one that year, or are they about even?
2: Uh, I think it might be slightly. You know, I don't okay. know. I can't remember where all these kids are ranked. And, you know, honestly, once they show up to college, like, I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really care even before they they get to college. I want to see what they're like in a a college uniform. But, um, you know, it it is something that you can, just because all that stuff is database and, you know, Mm -hmm. those guys are pretty good at their jobs and they're not always right, but sometimes, you know they're on to something. So it's something you can, you can go off a little bit, but I, I do think statistically like this ranks is one of the best classes. If you just compare it to ranks and also the depth of it. So, yeah, I think, I think there's something there just based on what other people say about them as well.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one thing with this non-conference schedule is it means Kansas state doesn't have to play Tulsa. So. <laughs>
0: I don't think <laughs> so we should but... ever have to play Tulsa. Tulsa
2: Tol- Tol- was actually pretty good last year. So yeah, that wasn't yeah. – they turned out to be all right.
1: That's true. That's true. But, yeah, so I guess, you know, looking at the players, first maybe start just start with, you know, how many of newcomers will start right away and would you expect more of them to get in that lineup before the end of the season?
2: Um. Yeah, you know, I could see Bruce maybe going with the quote-unquote older guys to begin with, and then maybe you eventually see, you know, some of the younger guys jumping into the starting lineup. But, you know, I think right away, I wouldn't be surprised if Nigel Pack starts. Like I'd probably expect <laughs> that. Yep. And then, you know, I think Selton Miguel, the way he talks about him, I think he's a guy that could probably start. So you're probably looking at those two and then either Mike McGirl or Dewan Gordon, you know, at the other perimeter spot. And then up front, I think, you know, you're probably looking at Montavious Murphy. I'd say good chance that he's your starting four man, right?
0: And then
2: um, this year. Yeah, yeah. Then next to him is the Utem transfer, I think is probably the yeah. fr- favorite to start at the five. And right. um, you crazy. I'll let you guys say your first.
1: <laughs> yeah. is,
2: is Yagu, I believe. Yep. Yeah, cool. Isiago. That sounds about right. I think it's Casey, right? Yeah, not how you yeah. say his first name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, but it's yeah. kind of funny.
0: It, it's interesting yeah. to me that you bring up Selton Miguel as being a potential starter. I, you know, day one, I, I just know Bruce likes to go with experience as much as he can. So, you know, that first game that we tip off on the twenty fifth, I just, I don't see Miguel starting right now. Like, I. Bruce is too much of a traditionalist for me to go away from, you know, three guard, two post. We're going to play basketball how we know how to play basketball, and we're going to lean on as as much experience as we have. I just don't see Bruce starting off the season uh, without having DeJuan and Mike McGirl on the floor at the same time.
2: Yeah, you you could be right, but I mean, honestly, what really matters is is what the minutes are distributed like. like. Exactly, he might start the game with those guys, but if Selton's playing more minutes, then he's basically a starter. Yeah, so that's what I think. I think the minutes will be more important to watch necessarily than who's actually in the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very fair point. Uh, Luke and I were talking about this before you joined on. You know, I could see Selton coming. I could see Selton getting twenty minutes a game. I could see uh, Kasuke getting you know fifteen to twenty minutes a game. So I, I think that, that that's a good point that, you know, the starting five, I could probably tell you who the starting five is going to be right now, but I think that the minutes are actually going to get, a, get spread out quite a bit. You're not going to see many players on this team with 30 minutes a game. And that's just the nature of both the talent and the experience that we have from folks on the roster.
1: You also mentioned the possibility of seeing, you know, the four guards, Nigel Pack, Gordon McGill and McGill on the floor at the same time, if Bruce wants to go small
2: right? Yeah, he he could, but he he definitely is more of a traditionalist with your three perimeter guys and and two bigs. I mean, even, you know, I I always thought they would go more X on the, at the four spot the last couple of years than they did. And um, when he has the big healthy, he's usually, he's usually played them.
1: Yeah. 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 That's um, something we talked about a little bit too, right, Eric? I mean, I think I, we would have liked to seen more of that at certain times.
0: Well, yeah, I think especially as, as the big started to go down from a health perspective, you know, when Monty was having, uh, was having a lot of those knee issues last year and we were dealing with that, we did start to play a lot more X at the four and play that smaller ball. You know, at the end of the day, if you look at the roster that we had last year at our post players, there just, there wasn't a whole lot there at the end of the day. Personally, I wish we would have gone to that small ball lineup a little bit sooner but um, you know, if we had, what difference does that make? Maybe we win a game or two more. You know, it's. It, I, I don't. It, it would have been nice to see because it would. It would have been at least trying something maybe a little bit different. But I don't think it moves the needle on last se- on, yeah, on that, last season's results. That wasn't
2: yeah. the issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Wasn't the
0: issue. Nope.
1: So let's talk. I mean, let's I talk a little bit about Max McGurl, You know, people bringing up his name as a potential leading scorer. I. I you know, I'm a little skeptical because it was nice to see him last year make some big gains in terms of efficiency. But, you know, in terms of his three-point shooting and just overall shooting, but it kind of seemed like that came because he was showing more patience, waiting for the right shots. And w- when he did try to force things, being kind of a, of a low-efficiency shooter again, so does he step into a bigger scoring role? you see that for him?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he – you expect that his points will probably bump up at least a little bit just because yes. he's going to have the opportunity. But, yeah, I'm not sure I see him as, like, your go-to lead scorer guy. You, you never know. Maybe maybe he does end up that just because he, he's the one old guy on the roster. But I don't think that's his nature. Like, that's in his – you know, he's more of a complimentary, you know, spot-up shooter. I do know that Bruce was happy with his final game against TCU – when he had several assists in that game, and, and you know, showed a little more playmaking, so that was some promise. And maybe you'll see a little bit more of that this year. But I think you know, in terms of like who your go-to guy is going to be, probably eventually one of those rushmen, either Nigel mm-hmm. or or Selton, or you know, maybe maybe somebody like Montavious kind of shows some more scoring punch. But I would expect it's going to be one of the younger guys that's probably ends up the leading scorer, If I had to guess. Yeah, yeah I'm,
0: I'm hoping we don't have a lot of watchers on this roster. And what I what I mean by that is, I like, if I look up and down this list, I don't think we have that go-to player, at least not as I sit here today. That might develop over the season. You know, Mike McGurl is definitely not that – he's not a go-to scorer. He might be a go-to player. He might be the guy that you want the ball in his hands, but he's not going to be the guy that's going to go get you a bucket, if, if that makes sense. So when I say I hope we don't have a lot of watchers – is we can't afford, you know, with six seconds left on the shot clock to have one guy with the ball and four guys standing around. We got to keep playing, but yeah, we, we got to have basketball it, players on the floor.
2: And, and like the of Cartier you, a year ago, I think there was too much put on his plate. Like yeah. there was too much of, he had to be really, really good for K State to win. And he'd be much better if there were some, you know, some guys surrounding him that they're capable.
0: Yeah, and the, the question if we – and I don't want to delve too much into last season, but the question in my mind is whether, whether or not that was put on him or he put it on himself and just couldn't do it.
2: Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it'll be interesting to see the development of JaJuan Gordon. I mean, certainly, you know, we hear that talk about him as a leader and Bruce has talked about his potential defensively you know, to be one of the best in the league, and that's one of his goals. But, you know, where is his ceiling as an offensive player? You know, he doesn't really seem like a guy that can maybe carry a team. But then again, you know, I wouldn't have said this to him. I would have said that about Barry Brown after his freshman year, too, and and he kind of willed himself into becoming that kind of guy.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's hard to say until you see what he does this year, just because I think when I watched him on the offensive end last year, I think nerves played a big part and what Mm -hmm. he looked like offensively so when a guy is that nervous and it's not super unusual for a freshman to be like that you don't really know what he's capable of because you know he's just not necessarily himself so I think before we put what he can be like as a player what his ceiling can be I want to see what he looks like as a sophomore because I think you know even if he's not going to be a great offensive player down the road, I, I still think he was probably a shell of himself as a freshman.
0: Yeah. I, as a sophomore, I would be thrilled if DeJuan Gordon came out of the, out of the gates and turned himself into a, you know, let's call it a 10, 4, 4 player that is really good at defense. You know, if he yeah, showed that yeah. from a consistent basis and may see maybe some flashes of being something special offensively, you know, then we can start to ramp up the expectations there. You know, the thing about Barry, when even when he was a freshman, is you saw the flashes of him being able to, to hang 30 on someone if he just got to the point where he had confidence in himself to do it. And, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of that out of Dejuan last year. But, it, you know, if he can be a, a legitimate, like I said, 10 4 4, 10 5 4, 10 5 5 type player, I think that's that's the trajectory I'd like to see him go. Yeah.
1: Could see that potentially happening, and then, you know, the other on defense, you know, last year K State was still, I think, 40th in the Pom defense, and not too bad given the their struggles on the offensive end. You know, one thing it did feel like they sort of been missing for a while is is a rim protector, and it sounds like with Izagui and then maybe Davian Bradford, even to a lesser extent, they'll sort of have that. You know, how much does that change what what they can do
2: defensively? What oh, eyes. Nice. It always helps. I mean, yeah. you see a lot of the best defenses have a great shot blocker back behind. I expect they'll be a pretty good defense team, just because I think Bruce's track record shows that his teams are always going to guard and going to, you know, put forth a lot of effort on that end. And you know, good for them that that sometimes when your offense is really, really struggling and you're not a good offensive team, like it's hard to get up for your defense and to continue to, to guard and put forth effort there and i think you know the one area where you probably got to commend that, that last year's team is, is they still guarded you know they still like were in a game with kansas late in the year because their defense was really really good
1: and now we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear is in conversation with business icons
1: talked about a lot in your article, is going to be that shooting. It's going to hurt to have Kazuki out. It seems like hes they're expecting him to be one of the best shooters, and I think he's out until at least mid-December now. But, you know, Bruce says he's, he's seen a lot better shooting. I, I think we've heard that before a little bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, is there anything to say? we just, just wait and see on that.
2: Yeah, wait and see. I mean, I, I haven't seen any of these kids play in high school. So I'm not going to try to pretend to to tell you how good of shooters they are. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, we heard that exact same thing last year, that that team was going to be much better offensively, got some great shooters on the team, this and that and the other, and they were dreadful, especially just purely from shooting outside of McGurl. And honestly, Mike McGurl might have connected on just shy of 40% of his threes over the season, but if we think about how last season went, it wasn't 40% every game, it was 10% some nights and 70% on others. And that's a really good recipe for losing basketball games. So I'm totally on, let's pump the brakes on how good we are from as a shooting team until we actually see it happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll see. And then another thing that would help a lot is kind of have some more bigs that can finish around the rim. And it sounds like that they may have that easy argument. I mean How maybe we shouldn't judge him by the numbers he put up at UTEP as a freshman, which were not all that impressive, but they kind of have a diff- had a different system, and it seems like he should be a better fit for Kansas State,
2: right? Yeah, I, I think so. We'll see. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. he's older. You know, he's a couple of years older than the last time he played college basketball. But they seem to be excited about him. And, I mean, the fact that he's, I think, kind of expected to start, that tells you something. So, yeah, we'll see what he, he becomes to me. I'm guessing he's going to be, you know, your defender energy type center. You know, not necessarily somebody you're going to throw the ball to a ton. Yeah, yeah. I would really like to uh,
0: have him just not be special. Like if we had bigs for the most part that could come in and play the game, and we weren't talking about how bad the bigs are, that is a huge <laughs> step up.
2: Yeah, but, but you just want somebody yeah. can catch the ball and dunk, right? <laughs> uh, I, I would. Yeah. say would that'd for that'd be Catch the ball and not travel. Let's let's start. <laughs>
0: Uh, that was that yeah. was
2: a big. I mean, basically, the hands of the bigs and and finishing was. If you look at the offensive problems, I think you know shooting's easy to focus on, but I think that yeah. part of it was such a big big problem for K State last year.
0: I mean, if we could have some combination of Bradford and Izagyu, and we'll throw Antonio Gordon in there because that's that's a name we haven't mentioned yet. But I mean, he is yeah. coming in with some experience. You know, if we can get some combination of that. To even Linguard, if we can get these folks to come in and kind of compliment Monty a little bit and give us, you know, some of the—I'll I'll call it the—the the flashes of good that Mac gave us last year—and just not give us any of the bad that Mac gave us. That—that <laughs> that is a huge step up.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also A Lewis is another name, and I think C.J. You'd said that the coaches called him kind of one of the biggest surprises of the summer, and that maybe he could. See more time than they initially thought.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that he's he's better than than they expected. I thought right? maybe a little bigger um, mm-hmm. than they yeah. were expecting, and yeah, I I think he was probably the you know when I had those discussions was probably the surprise of practice and workout so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then you know we talked about McGurl as the only senior, but he's always been kind of more of a soft-spoken guy. Is it pretty well accepted that DeJuan is going to be kind of the vocal leader of this
2: team? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's established who okay. that'll be. Like, I mean, I think it's so early. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
2: You know, when you have a young team, sometimes the coach is just your, your vocal leader. So, sure. sure. Um You That's know, so... who, who knows where, where that will come from? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, saw, so... we saw
0: some flashes of that last year with DeJuan. You know, uh, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't all the time, and and frankly, that kind of stuff might have. You know, just talking about that chemistry side of things, you know, who knows if he and Jada didn't really get along because of that or, or whatnot. It'll be interesting to see if, if that role is more available for DeJuan this year. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, you know, all that being said, I know CJ, in the coaches poll and in the unofficial media poll that you guys put out in the Athletic, Kansas State is picked to finish 10th. You said most likely this is a bottom three team. But, you know, as you alluded to, the conference is so much better this year. There's still room for Kansas State to show a lot of improvement and still finish that, though,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the the top seven teams are, like, clearly the top seven teams. And even TCU and Iowa State and K-State, I mean, there's, you know, reason to be optimistic about different guys on their rosters. and But the league is just, like, really, really good. I mean, when you're getting to whoever will be the fifth-place team is likely – You know, in Ken Palm's rankings of top nine team right now preseason, like that's just insane. So I think last year the league was not as strong in the middle as it usually is. Like it was two really good teams, just an okay middle, and then kind of a crummy bottom. I think, you know, in in some years the Big Charles had a really good middle, and the bottom's not been that bad. And that's where you can maybe see this year where, you know, the 10th place team in 2021 is not necessarily equal to the 10th place team in 2020.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, since we got you on here and I know you cover most of the Big 12 teams are kind of, you know, follow everybody. So let's talk about the, the conference as a whole and start with it. It seems like most people see it as sort of a two team race for the title. Baylor and Kansas, five teams. And and actually, it looks like Baylor maybe has the edge in that one. I mean, how do you see that playing out?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Baylor is to, to me, if you were to put the league in two years. I think Baylor's by themselves at the top, okay. um, you know, just with, with what they return. I think it's hard to say any other team will be as good as them. Although I think the next four are still really, really good. And any of those four could win the league and I wouldn't be shocked, but but I put Baylor on a tier by itself. And then the, those four where you're looking at Kansas, Texas tech, West Virginia and Texas, you could rank those in any, in any order. and, and You know, I think you can come up with an argument for each one being second, each one being third, each one being fourth, each one being fifth. Like, I'm not going to argue with you on on how you see those four teams. And then after that, I think it's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on the tier, you know, here there. And then uh, then I think it's the bottom three. So that's kind of how I see the league playing out. And, you know, who who knows? I could be completely wrong on on one of those. But I think that middle group, that group, or I guess kind of that top four after Baylor, that's where I think. It's, the league's going to be maybe the most interesting seeing how those teams, how they come together and, and, you know, who ends up being the, if there is a challenger to Baylor, who ends up being that one. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, you know, one of the big storylines, of course, is Cade Cunningham coming into the league, Oklahoma State, a guy who could be the number one draft pick. You know, how and could he take Oklahoma State is he going to be a guy that's like an elite player like we've seen Kevin Durant Blake Griffin and Michael Beasley in this league is is he on that level
2: I'll be honest with you I haven't seen him play. you know I I get to a couple high school things every year so I was not he was one guy you know a lot of times I'm able to see some of these elite prospects before they get to college like last summer I got to see like Chet Holmgren the kid that played last night on ESPN2 that everybody was going nuts about i I got to see him a year ago, but I haven't, I haven't ever seen Cade in person, but everything I'm told is he's a really, really special prospect. Now he could have an amazing year and they could be pretty good, but they can't go to the USA tournament. So right. <laughs> That guy kind of is, is a bummer for Oklahoma state, but um, yeah, from, from everything I'm told and talking to people that I trust, I think he's going to be a really, really, really good college basketball player. Now they don't, he doesn't have necessarily a lot of help. That roster is not great, but right. um you know he could he could still I think him alone probably make make still makes them the top seven team I put him seventh in my rankings he could make me look really dumb we'll see but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I do and, expect him to be pretty good
1: yeah I mean we've definitely seen elite prospects you know like Marco Fultz and Ben Simmons who weren't necessarily able to lift their teams up into those upper tiers so
0: yeah I mean at the end of the day college basketball is still a team sport that, you know the the even when, you know, when Beasley was here at K-State or with uh, with Durant down in Texas in those couple of years. They
2: had some really good players. They had players yeah. around them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And then kind of the, the last thing I wanted to talk about in the Big 12, and this one's a little hard because it doesn't – it's not good news for Kansas State. But, you know, the 2018 ninth season, Texas Tech-K-State kind of came out of nowhere to NKU streak. And then, I mean, starting with the NCAA tournament, their trajectories kind of went in opposite directions. You know, where Texas Tech has been able to maintain that success and play really well, and Kansas State obviously went first to worst. I mean, obviously, you know, part of it it's just Texas Tech has brought in more talent. But you know, what what do you see is why has Texas Tech and Chris Beard been so much more successful at that, maintaining that high level?
2: Um, you know, I think that he did a nice job of, he's done a nice job of bringing in transfers each year to stay older. And then, you know, they're just kind of recruiting at a different level right now. I mean, Texas Tech's bringing in four and five star guys. And, you know, that's not easy to do, but March success can lead to excitement more so than anything else. And it is a bummer that K State didn't get to kind of finalize you know, show how good they were in that season you're talking about. And, you know, I do think they would have had a shot to go on a pretty good run if Dean Wade had been healthy, but he, he was the most important player to that, to that roster. And, you know, that's not to say if they had made a elite eight or final four that year, that last season would have gone any different, but I think it probably, you know, they were still able to get a really, really good recruiting class for this 2020 class Which I think, if you're looking at a season that had the most impact on that, it was that 18-19 year. So still kind of did what did what you wanted it to do. They just, you know, I think Chris Beard had a easier time keeping the roster older and maybe had a little bit more talent returning than K-State did. Yeah, yeah, and it
1: helped that they had um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but they had one that one kid who was a maybe a three star and then turned into a lottery pick. So.
2: J- Jami- no I, I think he was a five-star coming in Oh, okay okay i was thinking they had one maybe not
0: all right and well, just so we're completely above the board when we're talking about this it's not like texas tech you know was battling for the the big 12 championship last year they finished nine and nine in the conference and you know a couple of games over 500 true. overall so it's you know i while while uh it's disappointing to see K-State go from first to worst, and obviously Texas, uh, you know, Chris Beard's doing something right, keeping that group together, or at least somewhat focused last year. It, it, it's not like they, they stayed at the upper echelon and we fell off. I mean, everybody's got to do some reloading every now and then, unless you're Kansas and you have the pockets of Adidas behind you. Um, but anyways, I will move on from that. Okay.
2: Yeah, so actually yeah, I was they, talking they, about they, and I they guess. I didn't, didn't crush it.
1: Yeah. So the guy I was talking about, and this is, I mean, he's from like the class of 2017, but Derek Culver was a, was a three-star recruit and then became the number six pick in the draft. But I guess that was kind of before the, they really, he, went, I mean, he was kind of the reason they exploded. So, yeah.
0: All right. Well, I
1: don't know. I think that's about all I got, Eric. Anything else
2: you want no, to
0: say? I, th- I think that's pretty good. Uh, pretty good cover for heading into a season that uh, who knows if we're going to have it or not and
1: uh, <laughs> yeah so, uh, cj but before we let you go you have any guesses for what the ncaa tournament is going to look like this year
2: uh, i just hope it happens and uh, I'm, i guess it's going to be some kind of bubble like scenario but um if it happens i will i will be happy because it was a pretty big bummer to not have that last year um, obviously there were more important things going on in the world and I've gotten over it, but uh, I did miss having the NCAA tournament. It's my favorite, favorite time of the year. So hoping it happens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, CJ, thanks for coming on. Uh, so people can follow you on Twitter, CJ more hoops, read your stuff at the athletic recommend getting a subscription. If you haven't already, I don't know, if you guys have any holiday deals anything you want to plug
2: right now? Uh, not anything that I know of right now, but hey, there, there's usually some kind of, of deal that we got we got going so i would encourage people to subscribe i'll make sure it's worth your time and and money yeah yeah definitely i mean always
1: always worth it even when there's not any deals so definitely i appreciate you coming on thanks
2: a lot for joining us yeah i appreciate you guys having me thanks guys okay